Welcome to the Geek Teak Podcast, where this week we're committing. I'm Void, and I'm here with my co-host, Beige. I do. You? Oh, okay, great. Um, today we're talking about <laughs> uh, staying with a game longer term, which is something that I don't do a whole lot. Sometimes you do too, but you tend to kind of bounce like I do, don't you? Yeah, I do. Uh, Austin and I were talking about it probably three or four weeks ago, how I don't finish games that I start and I really get into them. And then something happens where I end up putting it down for a little bit or seeing something else new that's shiny and not going back to it to finish it, despite it being a really good game and me really enjoying the entire process. Uh, So for like we were talking about last episode for Fire Emblem Three Houses to make me finish it and immediately start again there was something there that was abnormal for me that drew me in yeah it's super out of the ordinary i guess no no totally and i get it because like i mean you know me i sample a ton of games like i will i don't really dive in and then if i if i'm into one because if you get into one um you have a tendency to break out of it and then never go back which happens a lot and for me if i get into one um I will usually like play through it or finish it, um, you know, once I'm actually in the game. But I do a lot of sampling up front where like I'll try things for it's usually like less than half an hour. I don't need a whole lot of time to assess a game. And if it doesn't click with me early, I have no problem just being like, okay, I see what the game has to offer. I've kind of like mentally contextualized it. And now I'm going to move on to the next game because there's always more out there. And that's kind of how I do Steam. I know we've talked about it in the past that I'll use PC as kind of a demo service on Steam that when there's something I'm curious about but not sure if I'll want to play it, even for my amount of playing, I'll use a Steam return to be able to make sure that uh, that it is either something I want to stick with or not. Yeah, and so, I mean, this topic really, it comes from a question that Rob from the Comic Box and now from, and sometimes Rob on the network, uh, posed to us. So he was kind of directing it at me because I've been playing so much of, like, Magic the Gathering Arena this year, and I'm playing it consistently. And I don't know if I would say I'm committed to it, but I'm definitely, like, playing that game way longer than I've played. I don't even know the last time that I was hooked on something for this long. I mean, Dragalia lost kind of, but that's a mobile game. I play that, like, 20 minutes on my phone a day. I'm not, like, really hardcore playing that you know what i mean um yeah because i opened my mouth to say dragalia lost and fire emblem uh heroes and but at the same time you're right that's not something where you necessarily buy the season pass for or sit at home at night and be like okay this is how i'm gonna spend my downtime exactly yeah the last time that i did something for like this long in a game like this that you know is higher stakes than a mobile game was probably overwatch for months and months right after it came out so it's been a while honestly yeah it really has i mean even mmos like uh, final fantasy 14 it's just story and then move on yeah essentially so what rob said was the like considering that i didn't expect to get into magic but i seem to be falling headfirst into it now what would it take for me to bounce off of it and to give up on it um and then he said is it like just time that happens or are there other factors at play that make you walk away from something that you've previously really enjoyed and i just thought this was like an interesting question so i want to open it up to be a full topic for both of us yeah i mean that's something that i've not really thought about before this before he asked that it was something that was just kind of this ephemeral eh, kind of uh, uh ineffable quality that you can't quantify about video games like well there's something there or, or it's not and i guess this is time for us to think about it 
Yeah, and you know, this kind of puts me back into the conversations we've had in the past about evergreen games, because we've had that topic come up time and time again, because I just think it's a fascinating topic. There are so many people out there that they just have their one game or their one game series, right? So like, I know people that their game is Destiny 2, that's all they play, or it's, you know, you know, they did Destiny and then they moved to Destiny 2. I also know people that they get Madden every year or they get... I'm not going to remember any of the other sports games off the top of my head because I don't play them. There you go, FIFA. Yeah, they get FIFA every year. And it's it's their series, right? So it's not one game, but it's essentially the same thing. They're committed to like one game series. And I've never really been that person. Well, you do that with Assassin's Creed, that you grab all of the Assassin's Creed games, even if you don't know if they're going to be good or even if you don't think they're going to be good, that you do that, that that you play every every single iteration of it even the remakes so there are series that i definitely feel like that about like final fantasy the next final fantasy 16 you know whenever it comes out it doesn't matter what it is you already have my 60 dollars um right. but i'm thinking more along the lines of like i'm not the kind of person that i only play that one game whereas oh, what i'm okay. talking I about see what like, you're saying yeah the people who like i i am a fifa game player i'm not like I don't do other video games. I don't really branch out. I just play FIFA all the time. All like, and there's no problem with that. It's just not how I approach gaming. Yeah, and I was almost like that through college uh, with World of Warcraft. Like, well, I guess I should say MMOs in general because there was always one MMO that I played at the exclusion of almost everything else. Like, pretty much, like if it wasn't a multiplayer game that I'd play with my friends or like a once in a blue moon uh, RPG like Kingdom Hearts coming out, I probably wasn't going to play it if it wasn't Ultima Online, Star Wars Galaxies, or or World of Warcraft. Like, th- And when it was World of Warcraft, like that was exclusively my game for a long time. I did not buy a PlayStation 3 when it came out because of not caring because I was playing World of Warcraft. So I understand that mentality. It's just like, I don't have time for anything else because I just love this so much. Yeah, and like I... I've been there a couple times, right? I've been there enough to like understand it, but also I just like variety. I like new games too right. much. Like I bounce between games so much. And I honestly, I really enjoy the fact that like I can sample something and get everything I'm going to get out of it in half an hour because it means I get to experience a lot of games, even if I don't like commit to all of them and play deeply into them. So Magic the Gathering Arena is definitely an exception because like when it first came or when I first was getting into it which it's still in beta like it's not even fully released yet but earlier this year as i was getting hooked on it that was the only game i was playing for you know probably a couple weeks maybe even close to a month like i was playing it a lot and now that it's been more time i've kind of fallen into this pattern where i will play it every couple days i'm still playing it very consistently i'm still trying to clear out all my daily quests but not every day but like you can build them up over three days and then i'll go in every third day and like knock them all out so that's kind of how i'm playing these days but then after i knock out my daily quests, sometimes i'm like okay well i'm done and then other times it's like well let me play around with this deck or let me try the special event they're running or maybe i'll do a sealed event maybe i'll do a like that's when i know that a game has its hooks in me. If I'm yeah. only doing the daily stuff and then I'm always bouncing off of it, that game doesn't really have a strong draw for me, which is honestly, that's what Dragalia Lost is right now. Like, Right, you go through the content that is there, but you don't want to experience anything else and try to experiment with the systems and really try to break it or, or get into the nitty gritty of it. Yeah, exactly. Whereas magic it's like some days it's that because i'm tired or i have other things going on or i have a different game i want to play um and like i said it's every like third day approximately every two or three something like that and there are other times where i'm just like 
oh, that was fun. Let me do some more. Let me try a new deck. Let me try a different approach. Let me try something else. So that's when I know that it's like, okay, this game still is like going on in the back of my head when I'm not playing it in a really good way because I'm engaging with it more than I would other games. Right. And that's something that a lot of games just don't have for me. That one of the reasons I can't get into a lot of games other than RPGs is because I don't engage with them. That I end up getting really bored because of the mechanics. And it's not that they're bad games. Like, that's the thing. I recognize that they are quality good games, but whenever they are repetitive or kind of, uh, I don't even want to say mind action, but stuff like Devil May Cry that is pretty action, but it doesn't have a whole lot of nuance to it. Like, I would love to play that game when it gets on Steam sale pretty soon, but it's not something I'm going to dig into hardcore because it doesn't have that granular, systemic everything and a storyline. And I don't know. It's just there's something about games that grab me where everything is like this perfect whole. Yeah, I can totally see that. Like, I get when there's like a perfect balance that works for you and it really does it takes a lot for a game to become an evergreen game for me and it's like there's this huge hurdle to overcome and then if if a game can overcome that then it's really the tail end that either proves itself out or doesn't right yeah it's like is there enough there for me to mentally engage with on an ongoing basis that i can keep coming back and be challenged and see new things and whether it's new content or new approaches or new game types or new something right and if something can pass both of those tests and become an evergreen game for me, it is really, really hard to dislodge it from being an evergreen game. And, you know, just like a long-term game that I'm going to keep coming back to over and over. And it happens. It happens eventually. And sometimes it's just because the game gets stale because I played it for years, right? Right. It's, it's so far in the past. Um, and that'll happen to any game over time. But I don't know. It's just, it's interesting to me that like, it takes so much to get there, but if a game can get there, then I stick with it for a super long time. And thinking about that, were you saying that what makes them stop being evergreen games? Like commit, having committed to them, they've done basically everything right. If they've become an evergreen game that I'm going back to or like you're going back to, and it is consistently keeping our attention and making us feel that kind of excitement that we had, even though we know exactly the kind of gameplay loop that we're going to have. But bouncing off of them, like making like them falling off the list, falling out of rotation, I can only think of a couple that have really ever done that. And one of them was Hearthstone, you know, kind of of that game. Like I reinstalled it yesterday on my phone, downloaded it, logged in and looked and I was like, I'm done. Like, I don't care. I just I just don't care about playing this, that I, I've experienced as much of this as I really want to play. If I have a friend online, I might play them, you know, play the game uh, with them. But I looked, I was like, I don't want to do any of this, just random card playing. I'll do that in Magic the Gathering Arena. I'll play Arena and it'll be great. Well, and some of it depends on like how hard they make it to get back into a game after you're out of it. Because there are things that game developers can do that make that so let me put it this way when you're first getting into a game almost every game out there that's well designed has a very good on-ramp for getting into the game for the very first time and the thing that is rare out there is to have an on-ramp for returning players and i think if you can do that you can get so many more players that return over time but it doesn't ever seem to be a priority with game developers. No, because you're wanting to attract the new people who are going to spend the money 
out of that sense of excitement and newness and building up that initial whatever it is that you have to build up in the game, especially if it's an episodic kind of game that's like Overwatch or Magic. I don't even want to say episodic's not the right term. That's a television term. The uh, the individual matches and things like that, where like World of Warcraft bounced off of my list. Like it just fell off, and it actually only really fell off at Battle for Azeroth last year. I got done with it. I do not care about any of the other content that came out. It, it's a great game. It's wonderful. I only did half the story. I never even started the Alliance story. All of the content patches, I usually go back through and see, you know, all the content. Don't care at all. And I know that it happened because WoW Classic came out this week, and I feel zero pull to play it despite everybody else like going crazy, having such a good time on it. It does not have an appeal for me at all, and so I can really say that I know this one fell off despite me not even having realized that it had just been like, okay, I had my 15 years with you, and uh, now I'm ready to move on. You don't have that perfect storm of of fun for me anymore, and uh, it's not even that it was the end game gear grind it wasn't that the the storytelling in final fantasy 14 was better it was just like okay i've experienced all of this now because it has been so similar for so long that's like okay i'm good i don't hate it i don't i just don't care it's not even, no it's not even that i don't care like that's that's not even the way to put it it's that i'm i'm finished i beat it that's kind of the way I feel. I see on your 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 notes down here a little bit below, like if you feel like you've beaten something, and that's kind of how I feel about World of Warcraft. Like, right. I've seen all the stuff that I need to see in this game. I've seen the credits, and I'm good now. And there's something to be said for, like, I don't buy games very often that don't have an ending. I really try to be protective of my time and not, like, overcommit to a game that doesn't have a hard end because I like finishing games and moving on to the next one. And something like World of Warcraft, any MMO out there, something like Magic the Gathering Arena or Hearthstone, like we've mentioned, none of those games have an end, not a true end. You know, so sometimes it comes down to, and this is kind of us getting into, like you just said, like, what makes us stop, right? Why, why do we end these games after we've committed to them? And... It's when I feel like I've beaten something, even if there's no true end to it, because in MMO, there's no ending like it's a world. It just exists. It keeps running whether you're there or not. But I feel like you get to the point and this is basically what you were saying, that you feel like you've seen everything you're going to see. And any other time that you spend in there would just be rehashing stuff that you've already experienced. Like when I get to that point, I know I've beaten a game and like internally that's how I feel. Like, I check it off my mental list. I'm like, yes, Final Fantasy XIV, Shadowbringers, I've beaten that. I beat it. Even though they keep adding new content, the world's still living, I know people are still playing it, but I beat it. So I've put it down for a while, and I'll come back, I don't know, six months, a year, maybe right before the next expansion. But, like, I'm done for now. There's something about when you start these games that that grabs you, and it's the returning that tends to make it like stick like that like with final fantasy i always have a good time when i go back and i start interacting with the story and i start interacting with the other players uh that's not what keeps me there though i end up going away once i've finished a hard point in the story like a a a finite ending there but with with games like overwatch i go back to that game and i feel like the first time i'm logging in like oh this is really good like this is a fantastic version 
version of this kind of game, and so I want to play that, and I want to play the new characters, and the content that they keep adding is new and different enough that it changes how the game plays, where when you get a new tank that is uh, the new flavor of the month or a new healer, it changes the mechanics of the game that may have been burned out before, where I, I haven't finished a story, I haven't done something like that, where I'll go back to see those new characters and how they changed it. But with an MMO, it's generally the gameplay hasn't changed that much with something like an MMO or a card game. It takes a lot for a card game to completely change its spots, which is a really weird metaphor in the way for me to say it. (laughs) Well, and with MMOs, too, there's also the gear treadmill at the end. And like that's one of those typical things I think of where it's like, oh, yeah, you're enjoying a game. But then you hit this end game point where they just want to keep you as long as they can. But it's not a compelling reason to keep you. It's just there to keep you on this treadmill so that you stay like semi engaged or actively engaged so that they can keep getting money out of you yeah and absolutely that happens with all mmos you know and i've talked about it before that like that's something that will make me you know if i because there are are times in the past where i like committed to an mmo and i played for a really long time and every time i ended up stopping one of those when i was in that headspace um was because of the gear treadmill at the end when i just felt like oh there's like you're progressing but you're not really progressing and there's no real point because there's no more content and you know that kind of thing happens so what i was trying to think of is like what's the equivalent of that for games that are more like like a mobile game or like magic gathering arena because that's kind of you know what i was trying to frame a lot of this around because that's the most relevant right now and for that it would be like if when all of these new sets are coming out for magic gathering arena if i felt like i needed to keep up with it and like i had to buy the cards no matter what and that there was nothing new in them then i would definitely like go away from it like that would push me away from the game so I think one of the interesting things that I noticed is that the the latest set, the Core 2020, I my playtime like every week in Magic Gathering Arena went down a lot with that set. After the first week, like in the first week everything's new no matter what. But right, because yeah, it's of a, course. Yeah, yeah, because it's a core set, it didn't really introduce new mechanics. It didn't really introduce new characters or anything that's new. I mean, there are new things, but it's not to the extent that the other sets do where they really push the boundaries on something and they take the game in a new direction. This is more just like reestablishing the base. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's not doing what makes us come back to the Evergreen games for. Like it's it's keeping it fresh and keeping it solid, but it's not making it it's not making it new. It's fresh is different than new. And the new mechanics, the the block sets are all going to do that for you. What about single player games? What makes you stick with something like your Gamefly binges are hilarious to me because like you've lasted three minutes in a game before and you're like, nope, I'm done. This is a hard pass. And I think it's hilarious that you immediately know what is what is wrong with the game that well, I don't even say what's wrong with it. I, it's I keep just phrasing like things what weirdly. I don't like about it or that I wouldn't engage with. Because like I know yeah. my own tastes at this point, right? And there's something to be said for there are games out there that I don't have any idea within the first little bit right sometimes that's the first half hour sometimes that's even the first hour where like i just can't get a a read on the game i don't know what it's offering yet and that's always a super interesting feeling for me because it's very rare because i've played enough games and i've played enough one of the things at play here is probably that i 
have sampled so many genres and I've gotten pretty deep into most video game genres at one point or another over the years. And I don't think that's true for you necessarily. I've never been as deep as you've gone into them, probably. Like, I can't think of a genre that I've not played and beaten multiple games in. Okay. Uh, except maybe something like Madden or uh, or FIFA. Like, I've played and beat sports games and gone through the seasons and things like that. But it's not something that I generally care to return to. I think that's where, where genre comes into play so much for me. It's that I know what these genres are represent and what they bring to the table like action games i know that i have to be in a certain mood to play through action games that uh, i'm actually not going to buy astral chain when it comes out here just next week maybe because i know that i'm not in the mood to play it and so i will probably bounce and not give it the fair shake that it deserves so i'm going to wait until later this fall when i have the time to really i want that as opposed to to the kind of slower paced strategy and RPG that I'm actually really, truly enjoying right now. Yeah, there's something to be said for like waiting for the right time that you're in the mood for a game. Like I do that. I'll put games on my gaming list and I'll just like throw them all the way at the bottom if I know that I'm not in any space that I want to like or headspace, I should say that I right. want to engage with that type of game because I get into a mode where I'm just like, yeah, I could go for a really good first person shooter. But right now I feel almost the opposite. Like I don't want a first person shooter. Like Mm-mm. that's just not what I'm interested in right now. Um, and action games are kind of the same way. Like I like a good action game when I'm in the right mood for it. And I haven't been lately. So like, yeah, I'm not going to pick up astral chain either, but also if I come around to being in an action game mood sometime, you know, six months from now, like there's no reason that I wouldn't give it a shot. Right. That's the one I'm going to pick up. I know that right now is that the, top of my action game list uh it's the same with uh with like shovel knight dig i found out yesterday that they're making shovel knight dig and it's a game that i i didn't really like the shovel knight game that i played just the original shovel knight it wasn't what i was in the mood for then it wasn't what i expected out of the game and i know it's a wonderful game i need to go back to it but the moment that Shovel Knight Dig comes out, I'm going to play it and stick with it. And I'm fairly certain that I'm going to beat it just like I did, you know, SteamWorld Dig 1 and 2. The reason being is that those are genres of games. That's a genre of a game that I don't get to play very often. So I don't get to get in the mood for it. It just happens that they exist and then I get to experience it. So I know because of that rarity that I'll want to stick with it. Totally. Well, and there are certain genres that, like, if they're trying something new, then I'm much more interested. And there are other genres where it's like, I want something that's a little bit more, I don't even want to say tried and true because I never want anything that's just exactly like the things that came before it. But I'm thinking about JRPGs specifically. Right. Because JRPGs, if it's not a Final Fantasy game, and if it's not like by a developer that I already know and I already like their games, I it takes a lot to convince me to actually beat one of those and like get into it for more than about an hour like i'll play an hour of kind of any jrpg and then i'll probably be done sometimes it's a struggle to get to the hour mark if it's not one that i trust from a developer that i like that's why i really want you to play dragon quest 11 is because it's kind of a textbook example of a jrpg that it does nothing really spectacularly new 
it doesn't redefine anything. But what it does is what what we said, you know, back what four years ago, what Overwatch did. It takes what you see in this genre, it polishes it up so much and just gives you the best version of that that you can get anywhere. And that's the way I feel about Dragon Quest Eleven, where you have to be in a headspace to want a traditional JRPG, not something like Final Fantasy Fifteen was to the series or something like that. But if you're in the mood for a good, like, platonic ideal of a JRPG, that's the one that you should play. So I'm hoping that you you give it a real shot instead of bouncing and saying, oh, this is this is bland, which may seem like it at first, but it is something it's it's like that on purpose like it's doing something that is the style of the game you know does that make sense so what you're saying is dragon quest is bland on purpose i say well not bland <laughs> um well it, it, it it's no i know what you're saying i i get it though like and i actually did put dragon quest 11 back on my list because that demo just came out on switch so i'm going to try it probably sometime in the next week or so and i it's a 10 hour demo and i've said it before i think i said it on the last episode give it the the time that it deserves because it is a slow burn traditional enix rpg yeah, I have trouble with slow burns sometimes, so we'll see. I'll give it, I promise you that I will give it more time than I gave it the first time. That's Fair about enough. all I can promise, but I will do that. Um, the other thing that I wanted to touch on before we wrap up the topic is, like, one of the things that I've noticed that can change how much uh, I'm willing to engage with a game or commit to a game or stay with a game long term is the content release schedule, because I'm just a content locust. We've talked about this. I will devour content and move on to the next thing. Still the best, absolutely the best descriptor of you I've ever heard. Yeah, it's just it's perfect. It's apt. It's very apt. So I think one of the interesting things here is that like MMOs and even like Destiny and stuff, their release schedule is like, oh, we're going to put out one expansion pack a year or, you know, like a new raid every three months or four months or something. Um, It's just not fast enough for me because they get that content out and then it takes me like no time to just run through the whole thing, like maybe a long weekend or if it's an MMO and it's a ton of content, maybe it'll take me a week of like, you know, playing when I have free time to get through all of it. And then I've seen it all. Um, Whereas one of the interesting things I've noticed with Magic the Gathering or Magic the Gathering Arena specifically is that they usually put out three main sets, one core set and one specialty product every year. So that's five different excuses to get me to re-engage with their game. And I'm not going to re-engage with every one of those pieces like modern horizons i tried a little bit i did that event in person and then i was done with it right it was all of like one day but there's like commander just came out like i'm not gonna buy commander deck but i looked at it and i was like oh this is kind of interesting let me think about commander a little bit um whereas like the course that came out that didn't work for me super well but this september set that's gonna be out end of september beginning of october that one i'm actually like really excited for because it's the next set that is going to really do new things. And at the same time, it's knocking a bunch of stuff out of rotation from last year or two years ago or whatever the rotation cutoff is. And that's going to dramatically change what you see on a day-to-day basis in the game. Because a lot of the meta decks that are at the top of like the deck rankings right now just won't work anymore. Like People are going to have to figure out new things. And I want to see new things. And that's that's what I think it boils down to is there are well, there are two things for me that that makes me commit to a game at two things that make me commit to a game and and really either make it evergreen or play it all the way to the end that at some point 
it feels new again that Overwatch, Magic, anything like that, that the day-to-day gameplay has changed enough that I don't feel burned out. I don't feel like I'm repeating that same thing over and over again, like doing the same dungeon in WoW or Final Fantasy over and over again just for gear. Or it's something that every time I turn it on, like like Fire Emblem Three Houses, that I have a good time with those mechanics. Not just, oh, I'm dealing with this, oh, this is how the game is played, but I want to continue playing with these mechanics longer that I didn't get my fill of them the first time where it's uh, I want to do the social the the social stuff in Persona 5 I want to do the support in Fire Emblem that I can't get enough of that uh, makes me want to continue forward and then restart with a new game plus but I won't continue if it's like all of these battles are exactly the same okay the story is interesting but it it's not going anywhere anymore like I feel like I've seen and can predict where this is going I'm not really interested in doing this anymore it, it has to be something new or just spectacularly well done mechanically totally so i don't know if we answered the question at all but it made for an interesting discussion which is what i was going for so i think true i think we'll call that a success um before we dive into weekly geekery what do we have for the geeky offer of the week uh this week just remember that we have a patreon you guys uh we have uh lots of different things on there that you can do such as getting discord roles that kind of stuff i've posted a post actually on there uh asking what you would like for any kind of exclusive content that we do so if you think about it go to patreon.com slash geek to geekcast and let us know what you would like that will never impact the main podcast here uh that is solely something uh entirely different so uh just if you have any ideas let us know yeah and so we haven't locked in our first one of those yet but essentially what we're thinking is there are a ton of topics we've thrown out between the two of us not like on air before this is the first time we're really talking about it where it would be interesting or it would be almost like we've talked about okay if we made a spin-off podcast what would it be right and there's all these topics that we love but we also realize that like we don't have the time to commit to doing it every week and also i don't know if we have the content to do it every week either like right if we were to spin something off the easiest thing honestly would be a star wars podcast like you and i both know it we both love it there's tons of lore to dig into there we could but i would never want to feel like i'm forcing it and i know that that would end up happening so i think Mm -hmm. what we might do is that we've identified a ton of topics over time or a ton of like almost mini podcast series ideas over time that we would love to do, but they don't quite fit in the main feed here, right? Like we can't do a book club in our main feed because it just doesn't work with the format that we have. Like most of you out there aren't going to read a book if we tell you to. But if we're like, hey, we're going to do a book club for one book and we're going to do a series of X number of podcasts in the Patreon feed, it won't interfere with the main feed, but we can still try things out. So that's the kind of thing that we're thinking about for Patreon, just to give you guys an idea. And so any ideas that you have, we want your feedback on this. We want to know what you would like about that. So, you know, email us at geek to geekcast at gmail.com. You can tweet us at geek to geekcast uh, You can throw, use the contact form at geek2geekmedia.com slash contact. Uh, post a comment on the uh, Patreon post like that. Whatever it is, send us a message on Patreon, whatever. Uh, We want to know what you would like that because we make this stuff for you guys. I mean, as much as we love doing this, we couldn't continue this without y'all. And we really want to know if that's something that you would be interested in uh, because we're pretty sure there's something out there we can do for you. We just want to know what kind. 
what kind Just of stuff do you like? Got to be something. Yeah. Um, around the network this week, I don't know, because for the next few weeks here, uh, there's a lot of like scheduling things. So we're kind of recording out of sync with real time. Um, but I will say, on the network, we have Geekitude with Ray and Joe. Always interesting, often an interview podcast. Not always, but it's always an interesting one, um, whether or not they have an interview. Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea is great, just like regardless of what they're talking about. Um, and Sometimes Rob is a show that happens sometimes with Rob, believe it or not. And uh, Troidal streaming on Thursday mornings. Capsule J streaming Tuesdays from 8 to 11 p.m. Eastern, sometimes Thursdays and weekends. And then we also have The Geekery, where you can read about a bunch of stuff going on with like Austin's Dragon Quest Quest or The 13th Story. Um, we're looking at maybe adding some more people there too and you guys can subscribe to that at geek2geekmedia.com slash subscribe so lots of places around the network that you can get content i just don't know what the particular content is this week i'll fill that in next time we talk timey wimey wibbly wobbly stuff exactly so with that being said uh it's time for our weekly geekery where we share what we've been geeking out about this week what do you have this week even though it hasn't been a full week hasn't been close to a full week I think it's been two days. It might have even been a day. I can't remember. Um, But either way, uh, I did actually start playing Collection of Mana. I forgot that I ordered it. I had apparently pre-ordered it on Amazon when they had a discount, didn't remember it, and so it came in the mail yesterday, maybe, and I started playing it this morning while my power was out, because the Switch is on battery, and I started playing Final Fantasy Adventure. That is the first uh, Mana game, like they called it Adventures of Mana when they did a remake of it, and then I found out that there is also a second remake, or well, a first remake of it, called Sword of Mana that was on the Game Boy Advance uh, that was a, a remake of Saiken Densetsu, and I can't remember the the subtitles, but you get to choose what the screen looks like, because this is the Game Boy version of this. The Game Boy original version of this from, I think, 1991. And they didn't even change the name of it to Adventures of Mana or anything like that. It still says Final Fantasy Adventure on there. And you get to change the screen to look like what you want. So you get either a black and white Game Boy, you get uh, kind of a Game Boy color enhancement with a little bit of red and black shading on it, or you get the 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 four tones of green that you actually see the individual pixels on the screen like you did in the original Game Boy, and I have to play it. That is the only way that I can play this game, and I realized that the reason being is that it emulates exactly what my Game Boy looked like when I was a kid playing this game. Like, I could probably do it on any other game without worrying about it at all, but because I have so much time sunk into Final Fantasy Adventure when I was a kid playing it on the green original brick Game Boy, I cannot play it in with any other uh, version, like with these graphics and everything. And I, as soon as I clicked it into the green, it was like, oh, oh, this is so much fun. This is great. And I have totally enjoyed it. Like, it is not a great game. There are so many things that they've done better in the remakes of it. I don't understand why they didn't put in, uh, you know, Sword of Mana instead of this original Game Boy one, because it was a a remake that did so many things better. But I'm so glad this is in there because I'm just having a good time playing one that looks exactly like I played when I was a kid. It makes me so happy. That's super cool. I always love when you get a chance to just like grab onto nostalgia and embrace it. Doesn't happen all that often. But when you can and you can just ride that wave, it's fantastic. 
Yeah, I mean the mechanics are bad. That the it, it's not good. You have to equip a single healing item or spell to use like one time. You have to. You can barely hit things. You can. You you get. You hit something and it moves underneath you, and then it hits you when you thought you would hit it with your sword. The the story and writing is you know 1991 Game Boy story, but it's there's something about it that is really keeping me playing it. And I got to look up and see on how long to beat. How long this version of it lasts like the 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 original Game Boy version because if it's a shorter game I can see myself sticking with this one uh, because of nostalgia because of getting further than I did when I was a kid and really being uh, like I'm an adult now but this still has that that kind of childlike wonder that it it had when I was a kid not knowing anything about that it was a mana game so I'm I'm very excited about this and I'm willing to commit if it's not too long because this one would get very old if it were too long because it's very much a product of uh, 20 years ago oh I completely believe that very much well I'm glad that you found something that you like that's nostalgic um speaking of nostalgia I have something that I have no nostalgia for but you do uh Shira. Right. So Yeah. You and I talked about this the other day. Um I finally gave it a shot. It was on my list. I think I added it when you talked about it actually. And I finally got around to it. It's one that and so one of the things that probably like a, a beginning of this season, maybe like partway through last season, I decided that I wasn't gonna like put everything that I'm doing every week into Geekery anymore. I was just gonna try to highlight things that either I had something interesting to say about or something that I really liked. So there's a lot that I don't put in now that like if i just didn't like it i'm like oh it's okay people don't need to hear about it that's fine um shira is one where it's i wanted to bring it up because like i didn't love it but i could tell i'm not the target audience and for the right kind of person it would be such a good show and i think that if i sat down and like watch this with my kids it might be really good too i could see it being a great show for like adults watching with their kids of certain ages so I asked, it's so funny, I asked my daughter if she was going to try it, or if she had tried it, or if she had heard of it, and she goes, oh yeah, that's on my list to watch later. So, (laughs) she's like me. I mean, I shouldn't have been surprised, right, that she has a list. Like, she's she's nine, so, you know, she has her own list, she has her own system, she has her way that she approaches media. It's so fascinating that she's kind of falling into some of the same ways that I do it. So, that's that's very cool. But anyway, um, She-Ra, I think, would be a good show to watch with kids. Or if you have nostalgia for Shira, um, I could definitely see getting into that. Like if I had any kind of nostalgia for it, it it probably would have hooked me. Yeah, that's really what it is. Like it is a very good TV show. It's just it plays off of my generation's nostalgia of growing up with He-Man and She-Ra. And then it's also very much a kid show, a kid friendly show at the very least, where watching it with someone like that would be really entertaining and seeing how they react to it. Uh, My nine year old nephew loves it that I don't know how much he has kept up with to to look at, you know, the new seasons, but he loves it that he he really really loves this one so i think that your daughter will like it too your son probably will as well he's within that uh that age demographic probably so yeah i will ask them when they try it out and see what they think um the other thing that i did within the last couple days here is i finally rewatched endgame for the second time i had only ever seen it the one time when it came out okay so it's still really good i mean it doesn't surprise anyone i don't know if i have any new thoughts about it it's still really good maybe my only thought is that like there are long stretches where there's not 
action, which is not a bad thing, except that when you're tired at night and you're on your couch and you might accidentally fall asleep. I didn't actually fall asleep, but it was close. I had to split up viewing this movie between two different nights, which I don't normally do. Um, so that was it. It's a long movie, but people know that already. It's still, it's so good, especially near the end. Some of those fight scenes at the end, it's just, I'm constantly amazed by what they were able to accomplish, right? I don't think it's the greatest movie ever, but I do think it is probably the greatest cinematic achievement that has ever happened. Yeah, that's that's the MCU as a whole, really. I think that that none of them are like the these masterpieces of cinema that are going to last you know, hundreds of years and people go back and watch Endgame. I don't think that's going to be the case. But I think that the impact that this entire series and saga has the story that it's told the 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 outside the movies being able to tell a story like this across cinema i think it's changed the entire medium and well the business of the medium i guess yeah it totally has it's it's had this gigantic impact and just the fact that they were able to execute it and bring together this entire infinity saga of like 21 movies or however many it is and there's actually like beginning middle end there's a conclusion there's a stopping point they brought it all together they tied it all together it's incredible and i don't know it, it was just cool to watch it again so i'm sure we'll talk about that when we get to end of the year stuff because there's no way that doesn't make some of our lists at some yeah, point absolutely yeah cool that's probably it for this week uh you guys can write to us with comments suggestions or feedback our email address is geek to geekcast at gmail.com or reach us on twitter at geek to geekcast we also have longer discussion threads on our subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash geek to geekcast you can also have great discussions on Slack and Discord. You can go to geek2geekmedia.com and find the invite links, and you can hang out with us on there. And while you're there, you can check out all the other content on the network. I blog at agreenmushroom.com, and you can find me at GRN Mushroom. That's Green Mushroom without the E's on Twitter. And I'm on Twitter as at Professor Beach. That's Beach with two E's. And you can listen to me talk even more on the Dragon Quest FM podcast. We've been Void and Beach with your Geek to Geek podcast. That'll do it for this week. See you next week, geeks. Bye, geeks. I still love you. I do. Hey, geeks. This is Capsule J. I'm a streamer on the geek to geek Media Network. If you like discovering new games and chatting with cool nerdy folks... Be sure to check out my channel on Twitch. You can find it at twitch.tv slash capsulej. That's C-A-P-S-U-L-E-J-A-Y. I stream a blend of indies, retro games, and RPGs most Tuesday nights from 8 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern, and occasionally on Thursdays and weekends. Hope to see you then. Hi, my name is Joe Hogan, and I'm a geek. And if you're currently listening to this, there's a good chance you're a geek, too. So check out my podcast, Geektitude. Each week, I talk with somebody about their geek aptitude. Sometimes I talk to people in a geeky profession. Sometimes it's someone doing something really cool with their geekiness. Often it's another geeky podcaster. But it's always someone who wants to share their inner geek. So join me each week as we come together to geek out about all the geeky stuff we love. And remember, this week, keep it geek. Hello friends, this is Troidal Power inviting you to join me over on Twitch most weeknights sometime after dinner. Video games have always been a social hobby for me, with friends and family crammed together on a couch chatting away while someone holds the controller. And thanks to the power of the internet, I've got my own virtual couch over on Twitch where you can kick back and goof off while I play games. 
Find me on Twitch by searching Troidal Power, that's T-R-O-Y-T-L-E Power, to snag a spot on the couch. Hello, I'm Katie. And I'm Chelsea. And together we are Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea, a podcast all about pop culture. We talk about books, movies, music, basically anything we want at this point. Yes, we obsess about K-pop. And Keanu Reeves. And sometimes Katie cries on the podcast. Hey, that's rude. But really, we are just here to talk about all the things that we love. So make sure to head over to teatimewithkc.com and geek2geekmedia.com to check us out. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to our show wherever you download your podcasts. Bye! Bye.